As we prepare to read the scriptures together, would you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This morning, I want to talk to you about the high call that we have to live in harmony. And regardless of what side you find yourself on or what your politics may be, we're called to honor the Lord by living in harmony together. And of course, living in harmony is not easy. Can you confirm that? If you're writing on the comments, and, and you know living in harmony is not easy, you can add that statement to the comment section or just an amen or an oive. Living in harmony is just, it's tough. Now, one friend told me that they hated my message from last week and I laughed and I said, why? And they said, well, because I was listening really carefully and taking it to heart and I realized I needed to change some more. And I get it, folks. You know, these practical instructions on this topic of living in harmony, they're some of the most difficult, I think, in all the scriptures. But here's the key. It requires that our hearts are humble so that we're open to receive instructions. And the fact is, humility is not a very popular character trait in our modern world, but let's make it more popular among ourselves. We can do that. In order to think about living in harmony, I want to start about with this week's Torah portion. And I hope, I really do hope that you take time to read the weekly Torah portion before Shabbat and then again afterwards. When you're reading in advance, it prepares you to receive more when we're studying. And also, it helps you when you want to share with others to be more effective. Now, as you're reading this weekend, or reading again, count how many times the heart of Pharaoh is mentioned. And by the way, some people don't know how to spell Pharaoh. It's an English word derived from an Egyptian word. And here's the common spelling, P-H-A-R-A-O-H. Unusual spelling. We don't have many words like that in English. But here's what we see. Pharaoh's heart was hard. His heart was stubborn. Pharaoh was hard-hearted. In one translation, I counted at least 13 different times that the heart of Pharaoh is mentioned. And here's one, here's one passage that I found particularly interesting. It's in Exodus 7.23. And I do want to encourage you, um, those of you who are writing in the comments, if you can put this passage, Exodus 7.23, in the comments section. And even the scriptures itself, it says, Pharaoh just turned and went back to his palace without taking any of this to heart. And you can underline this or you can emphasize it. You can put it in the comment section without taking any of this to heart. You see, Pharaoh just went back home and he didn't take any of it to heart. Hard-hearted in my translation I was looking at this week is mentioned eight times. Being stubborn is mentioned three times. And, and think about it. Has anyone ever told you that you are stubborn? Well, I can tell you, they've told me I'm stubborn. And then you know what I do? I just 
cross my arms and say, I am not. <laughs> well, I hope I don't do that every time. But sometimes I react that way. And you know what I call that? I call that my little Pharaoh. My little Pharaoh is rising up. You know, each one of us has a little Pharaoh inside. And, and Pharaoh sometimes wants to rule over our hearts. Here's, here's another passage that got my attention. It's Exodus chapter 9, verses 27 and 30. So let's start in verse 27. It says this, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, and he said to them, this time I have sinned, Adonai is in the right, and my people are in the wrong. Intercede with Adonai. We can't take any more of this terrible thunder and hail, and I will let you go. You will stay no longer. I won't keep you any longer. Verse 29, Moses said to him, as soon as I've gone out of the city, I'll spread out my hands to Adonai. That's a act of prayer, you know, lifting up your hands and praying to the Lord, so that, that's important, so that you can know that the earth belongs to Adonai. Verse 30, but you and your servants, I know you still won't fear Adonai, the Lord our God. Pharaoh's words sounded like they were a confession of repentance, but they weren't really because his heart had not changed. And you've heard this before, we can fool some of the people some of the time, you've heard that. We can also fool ourselves, but we can't fool the Lord. And it turns out it's pretty hard to fool Moses. But I want you to notice the attention that Torah gives to the condition of Pharaoh's heart. That recurring theme is a point of focus so that you and I will recognize how important it is. Torah repeats words and phrases as a, as a literary device to focus our attention. It's good Hebrew. And that's so that we can see something important that we might otherwise miss. The repetition is a way of saying this is important, pay attention. So we can see Pharaoh was proud, not humble. He expressed himself with hubris, not with humility. And even his words that, that may have sounded humble, and if you weren't there, you may have thought they were, they weren't actually honest expressions of humility. Humility and honesty are wonderful qualities in strong leaders. And those who are humble and honest about themselves, like Moses and King David, are admirable examples. Where those who are proud and dishonest, they're not worth following, my friends. You see, the condition of the heart is important to the Lord. Let's not ignore that. Anyone who ignores the condition of the heart, I'm afraid, will end up being pulled into another worldview and a different kind of faith than we read about in Torah and we see in the teachings of Yeshua which is why the scriptures, for instance, say, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the first part of the greatest command, according to Yeshua. So back to the instructions about how we're to live together in harmony. And some thoughts about that. Sandy and I spend a lot of time together. We pray, we study, we work on this question of living in harmony and how it applies to us personally, but also how it applies to our community and to the Messianic movement. And I can tell you this, it, it's not the easy way, Mishpacha, 
but it's the way the Lord has called us. And I, I hope it's what the Lord has called you to, but it's not easy. It really does require sacrifice and it will take all your heart to fulfill it. And it's the best way to go. It's the best way to go for us. And I hope for you. And I know many of you feel the same. We want to encourage you to express yourself with humility, with honesty, and with moral courage these days so that all of us together can help restore the place that humility and honesty deserve in our society. We believe that God has called us as Rabbi and Rebetzin to serve and lead many different kinds of people. This congregation is quite diverse, young and old, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, immigrant and U.S. born, conservative and liberal, Republican and Democrat, black and white, well-educated and poorly educated, suburban and city folk. And it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of attention to living in harmony. This is a topic that we've been paying attention to as a community for years and years. But I wanna also explain some things. Because we wanna live in harmony, we don't endorse political candidates or political parties. We're called to minister to all kinds of people. It's a sacrifice we make so that we can serve different kinds of people. Sandy and I don't define ourselves as liberal or conservative or actually by any political label. In fact, we refuse political labels. They don't accurately or fully describe who we are. Sandy says, well, I'm not a liberal or a conservative. I'm not just one thing, I'm a thousand things. You see, we're all very complicated and complex. And when we accept, I think, uh, too simple, labels, labels that are simplistic without the complexity that uh, our identities really deserve. When we accept those overly simplistic labels, when we embrace them, when we use them, it actually narrows us down rather than strengthens us. I like what Sandy said, I'm not a liberal or a conservative, I'm not just one thing. It's important to know also that we don't think that the entire world order rests on the shoulders of politicians and government leaders. The Egyptians thought so. The Romans thought so. They, they thought Caesar was God, uh, one of the gods, and that he had uh, divinity about him. The, the Greeks before them, the Seleucid Greeks who had occupied Israel, Antiochus Epiphanes, for instance, thought of himself as God in the flesh, but also the people around him thought of him as God's man and that he was the caretaker of the entire world order of their civilization, even the natural order. But we think differently. We know differently. The highest government, and Isaiah says this, rests upon the shoulders of Messiah the Lord. Isn't that a fact? If you agree with that, I encourage you to let your heart know that and your mind know that and tell other people the highest government rests upon the shoulders of Messiah, the Lord. And that's one of the reasons why we don't get overly entangled with some of the conflict that people are having in the world today. It's one of the ways that protects us from uh, hostilities towards each other as well. Let's look at one of the hard instructions about how we should live in the book of Romans. It's Romans 12, verse 14 and 18, through 18. And understand this, Paul is a man of passion. He's a man of, of strong opinion. 
he's opinionated, you could say that. And he is not shy, he expresses himself. And I have a lot of Italian friends who are also, like many Mediterraneans, very expressive, very expressive of their points of view. They can, they can be um, anything but shy. Do you agree? So Paul, who's sort of like that, is talking to Italians who are sort of like that. And he's giving these instructions about how to live in harmony. And it really requires that they examine their own culture and their upbringing and what's normal for them in order to live in a new way. And that requires, of course, the humility of an open heart. So Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and don't curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but enjoy the company of the lowly and do not be conceited. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Consider carefully what is right in the eyes of everyone. Verse 18, if it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Let's go through that. Bless the ones who cause trouble for you, who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. That was one of the teachings of Yeshua, and he truly suffered persecution. Many of us, uh, the kind of trouble we face is not really persecution. It's just uh, disapproval. It may be rude, but it's not necessarily persecution. But Paul says, Bless the ones who cause trouble for you. That's really his message. Don't curse them, but bless them. And then he talks about um, how we can rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who weep. You see, it's important to keep your heart open, to keep it alive. If you're going to have an attitude of blessing even the people who trouble you, you may try to turn down all of your emotions and everything that you feel, but that can have a side effect. It can cause you to be detached from other people. And Paul's saying, no, no, keep your heart open so you can fellowship deeply with people. Rejoice with people when they're rejoicing. That takes an open heart. Weep with people when they're weeping. That also takes an open heart. And closeness. And there are times when there's a lot of conflict where what we really want to do is just get away from people. And Paul's saying, overcome that keep your hearts open towards each other. And then this instruction, live in harmony with each other. Really, the key word is harmony. And harmony is about having different parts, not the same part. He doesn't say everybody sing the same note or play the same chord or something like that. He, he's saying live in harmony. He's using a musical term that describes something where, where we have different parts, not the same parts, but parts that work together. It's like you and I are singing, we're playing different parts, but it's the same song of life. We're not all the same, and we're finding out how to live together, and we want to use our differences for the common good. I hope someone will put that in the comment section. Use our differences for the common good. It goes on, don't be proud. You see, humility, humility is not very popular these days, my friends, but it needs to be popular with us. And humility can mean to us that we bend down to lift others up. It means also that we're not conceited, with, which is a particular kind of pride. 
And then the statement, don't repay anyone evil for evil. I mean, we can apply that today to our use of social media and also how we argue with one another. And we can put it this way, don't match ugly comments. If someone says something ugly, say something soft back to them. Now, I wanna tell you something. I've decided to use the hockey system on social networking for now. And I put people in, the, in you know, the, the penalty box on social media if they're speaking harshly. And some people go into the penalty box for 30 days on Facebook because Facebook has made this possible. They made it so easy. I discovered it recently where you can, you can push a little button and those kinds of comments or even that person or the source that they're quoting is, is silenced for 30 days. And I think, oh man, that's the hockey penalty box. I love it. And then this statement that Paul writes, carefully consider what's right in the eyes of everybody. And what does that mean? I think it means something really simple. Think about other people. Think about all kinds of people, not just your friends, but those who may have a different point of view. But also don't just think about yourself. And I hope honestly, that you stop sometimes and you don't do what you plan to do because you're thinking carefully about how it will affect others. Some of you may be about to post something, you're about to push the button or maybe even push the button and then you go, uh-oh, what if Rabbi David sees this? That's good. I think that's that could be a good restraint. But here's another restraint. What if Yeshua sees this? Imagine that, that Yeshua is actually monitoring your words on social networking. And then it says, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. And friends, this is hard to do. It requires being slow to anger, and that requires a lot. But Proverbs says it many times. Proverbs 15:1, a gentle anger, excuse me, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Or another translation, a general response turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs people up. So when we answer gently, it really does have a lasting effect on people. And when we use harsh words, it has a lasting effect. Even if you say, well, I didn't mean it, or I, or, I just meant this, or I take it back, it's not really possible to take back such things. Harsh words stir up people. And that's why it's important, even when we're talking about these difficult subjects, to keep our hearts light and not be uh, like drawn into the despair of the world. I've got hope. I hope you do too. Proverbs 15, 18 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the one who's slow to anger calms dispute. So that's a, that's a really important impact to calm disputes, but it requires being slow to anger. And I just want to give you a word of advice. Don't feed your anger addiction. Starve your anger addiction. If your anger is being stirred up because you are watching things on TV that you can't stand, turn the TV off. Change the channel. If, if you're all caught up in the trolling communication and you're man, you're flaming with uh, your social network use. Don't use it. Don't feed the anger addiction, starve it. But it takes effort. This connects to the Lord's use of power. Think about the Gevorah prayer, which we pray almost every time that we're together. It, it tells us that the Lord is powerful and that he uses his power to restore and to revive and to heal. And 
It says this, so mech noflim, he lifts up the ones who have fallen. He heals the sick. You see, he uses his power in the service of other people. That's really Yeshua's paradigm of leadership. It's based on serving other people. The strong ones, the ones who are the real leaders, they bend down to lift the weak ones up. It's not about domination. It's not about um, winning against people. It's about winning people, not winning and defeating them. We use our strength to elevate others. Real leadership, Yeshua teaches us, is measured by our service to others. But that requires sacrifice and real thoughtfulness on our part. And I want to share with you, this is the last passage I want to share. It's from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 22. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's talking about how he thinks about these things so that they could understand his thought process and also his behavior, the behavior related to it, and they wouldn't misread what he does, they would more deeply understand it. So I want to look at these few verses and think about how he was thinking. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19, Paul writes, though I am free and I belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He's become like a bondservant. That's what he's saying. 20, to the Jews, I became like a Jew in order to win the Jewish people. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. He writes, so as to win those under the law. Verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though in fact, I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Messiah's law. But I did this so as to win those not having the law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that, this is the purpose, so that all, by all possible means, I might save some. Verse 23, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. You see, Paul was uh, a Pharisee, and he was also very zealous. He was one of those who had been on missions to arrest and persecute and imprison Messianic Jews. That's how zealous he was. But he had a change of heart and a change of viewpoint. He learned to relate to people differently. It's so important. If you want to win people, it really requires that we connect with them in a deep way. And in order to do that, we have to understand the other person's position in life, their viewpoints, their background, their, their way of thinking, the, their culture, and what actually influences them. We have to understand that. We have to value it and appreciate it. We can't just minimize it or denigrate it. We can't treat it like it's unimportant or like it's not good because it's not ours. No, we have to somehow enter into their world, see things through their eyes so that we can connect with them. And it requires that we mirror sometimes some of their qualities in order to better connect with them because we're trying to win them. We're not trying to conquer them, not to defeat them, not to destroy them. And I want to just finish with this one word, don't allow political divides or social divides to become spiritual division, because that will put us at odds with God himself. 
you never want to be on the wrong side of this matter. You never want to contribute to spiritual division. And sometimes when, when we become politically divided, we actually contribute to spiritual division. When we become socially divided, we do the same thing. Let's have that heart of compassion and humility, that heart of love, that heart of honesty. It takes an open heart and we can, you know what? We can protect ourselves from our own little pharaohs this way. I hope you take this to heart and that together we can really make a difference. So we're gonna close with Aaron's blessing. I wanna invite Sandy, uh, Rebus and Sandy back on camera. Hello, darling. Hello. And the Corsians as well. I need my hand here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but Sandy is like holding my hand because we actually like to hold each other's hands. But I've got um, a mouse here that I'm using in order to do some things. And it's like, I'm trapped. <laughs> it was funny. I just oh, tried to explain. Dear. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Rabbi Yuri, Rabbi Sadina are in the synagogue and Sandy and I are, are live from home. And we're going to close with Aaron's blessing. But before we do, I want to ask you again, if, if this has been a blessing to you, if this ministry is a blessing to you, would you consider being a financial supporter? You can get all the information at BethIsraelNow.com slash giving. So Rabbi Yuri, Cantor Aaron, we've got um, this powerful trio together. And um, Kim Chung-Wa, Aaron's wife, is watching live from home. And so we're all together on this. And how are we going to do it? Who wants to do what? Um, Rabbi Yuri, you want to go first? Yeah. So okay. I can, I can do, what do you think, Rabbi David? I can do Russian or I can do Hebrew. And what, what is the best way to go? Why don't you do Russian? Yeah, okay. Character Aaron's here. Why don't we let him uh, do Hebrew? I'll do English. Okay, so yeah. How does that sound? Yeah, the Russian is for the first. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Let's pray together. Да благослови тебя Господь и сохрани тебя. Да презрит на тебя Господь светлым лицом своим и помилуй тебя. Да обратит Господь лицо свое на тебя и даст тебе мир. Amen. And Cantor Aaron. May the Lord bless you. May he be the source of your blessing. And may the Lord watch over you and guard and protect you, especially in these difficult and challenging times. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you with all of his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, Mishpacha. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much. Shabbat Shalom.